Hi, this is Pastor Ryan Spooner. I'm so glad that you're listening to our sermon podcast. I hope it's a blessing. If you live in the area, or even if you don't, we would love to have you join us on a Sunday morning. We meet at 10.30 a.m. at the Millworks in Willington, Connecticut, 156 River Road. Also, if you'd ever like to help support our church financially, we would be extremely grateful. You can donate through our website, stpaulschurchct.org. Thanks. All right. Good morning. So we have come now to track three in our Quick to Listen series. Uh, For five weeks this fall, we're starting each message off by listening to a song, and then I'm using that as the launch pad for a reflection on Scripture, faith, and the Gospel. And uh, as I've been saying the last few weeks, the criteria for the songs I've chosen, there's only two, that I like it and that it inspires a sermon. That's it. Um, So far, uh, track one was Silicone Boons Found You. Track two was Florence and the Machines Free. And this week, we're slowing things down. We've come to the middle of the mixtape. Remember mixtapes? If you're around my age or younger, you might remember mixtapes, or older, excuse me. Um, once you, you know, get to the middle of the mixtape, it's time for something a little slower, a little more contemplative. And uh, so I have chosen a song called The Brotherhood of Man by an artist known as The Innocence Mission. So has anyone heard of The Innocence Mission? All right. That doesn't surprise me too much. I'm happy to change that today. Okay. Uh, This group has been around for a while. Its members first met in 1980 at a Catholic high school, Catholic high school drama club in 1980. And they started writing their own songs in 1986 and started going by the name The Innocence Mission then. So they are in their 37th year, been around for a while. And they have never been like a hugely popular group. Uh, but they have had success. They've had uh, a couple albums and tracks that uh, made an appearance on the Billboard 200. And their music has actually appeared in a lot of TV shows and movies. Um, According to their Wikipedia page, that includes Beverly Hills 90210. I told you they've been around for a while, right? Uh, Empire Records and Party of Five. Anyone who remembers the 90s, those might ring a bell. Uh, Grey's Anatomy, The Perks of Being a Wallflower and many others, okay? So you may have heard them, even though you didn't know it. Uh, In their earlier years, they were a a four-piece rock band, but sometime in the late 90s, their drummer left the group, and they just decided, we're not going to replace him, and they settled into the more folky kind of music that you're going to hear this morning. Uh, If you look at that picture there, that's that's probably from the mid-90s. In the middle, there's... uh, A man and a woman, that is Karen and Don Paris. When I think of the Innocence Mission, no respect to the other guys, but that's really the Innocence Mission, is Karen and Don Paris. They are married, um, and they are the songwriters. Uh, This is a more recent picture of them, aging gracefully. Uh, I don't think they really play live anymore. It sounds to me like sometime in the mid-90s, Karen and Don decided that they were going to raise kids. That's going to be their main, main goal. 
And every now and then, when they feel like it, they make another album, an album of sublime beauty, in my opinion. They put it out there, a few people appreciate it, and then a few years later, they do it again. Um, it's probably not their day job. Um, and Karen and Don do profess faith in Jesus. I don't think you're very likely to find their music in a Christian bookstore, uh, but from what I can gather online, they are definitely people of faith, and it seems clear to me that their faith influences their music. But anyway, that is more than enough background. Uh, this is supposed to be quick to listen, and I'm taking a lot of time here. So, um, what we're listening to is a song called The Brotherhood of Man from their 2007 album, We Walked in Song. And uh, as always, we have to mute the live stream right now in order to avoid copyright violation. So if you're watching from home, make sure to click, click the link that is provided uh, under the video so that you can watch the song as well. And if you're listening on podcasts later, go to the show notes. Make sure to listen to the song before listening to the message. So The Brotherhood of Man by... The Innocence Mission. All right, so that is a great example, in my opinion, of the gentle beauty that is the Innocence Mission. I don't know what it is. I think their style complements this time of year very well. Um, no fall goes by without me driving around and listening to the Innocence Mission, at least a little bit. The theme of this song, The Brotherhood of Man, is that sense of connection and unity that we can feel with other people, including people that we don't even know, complete strangers. This is the brotherhood of man. And she gives a couple of examples of this, right? She talks about meeting an older man that seems to know that she misses her dad. Um, meeting a girl from Spain in the airport who becomes her sudden friend. Uh, a stranger helping to light her way when the subway dims. All examples of a sense of connection and unity with strangers. She gives another example in the bridge, which I really like, one of my favorite lines. I never can say what I mean, but you will understand. Sometimes we're trying to communicate a, a feeling, and we're having trouble putting it into words but we're sharing it with somebody who we just know they get us, even though we can't quite say it. And I wonder if Karen, when she wrote this lyric, was thinking of just her music in general, right? She has certain feelings that she wants to communicate, and they're very hard to put into words. I never can say what I mean, but you will understand, you, the listener, who actually goes out of your way to listen to this music. You, you, you can feel what I'm feeling, right? And that, that's one of the great things about music is that it is something that helps us to feel, as she calls it, the brotherhood of man, right? Because music has this power to communicate the depths of one person's soul into another person's soul. It's one of the amazing things about it. I never can say what I mean, but you will understand. A song like this inspires us to recognize the good in people. It inspires us to recognize that every day people show kindness to one another, people cooperate with each other, 
People show love and empathy to each other. Every day this happens. Even strangers will do that for one another. Now, right now, I can imagine that some of you might be thinking, well, this is sounding a little naive and sentimental. People are sinners. Every day they are selfish, take advantage of each other, betray one another, lie, cheat, and steal. Also true. But we should not let that second truth blind us to the first. We have to remember both. Both can be true at the same time. Yes, sin is real, but so is the brotherhood of man. The Bible tells us that God created human beings in his image, meaning he created us to represent him, to represent his character, his goodness, his love. Nothing else in creation is described as being made in the image of God. We are unique in our capacity to reflect the character of God. Now, the Bible also says that we have fallen into sin. But that doesn't change the fact that we are still made in the image of God. And that is who we truly are. Who we truly are is not sin. Who we truly are is made in the image of God. As an analogy, okay, imagine a painting that has a tear in it. If I showed you a picture, like the one there, of a painting with a tear in it, and I asked, what is this? Would you say, that's a painting, or that's a tear? I hope you would say, that's a painting, because that's what it really is, right? Maybe you'd say, that's a tear, but let's put it this way. You would be more likely to say, that's a painting with a tear in it, than that's a tear with a painting around it, right? And human beings are the same way, right? We are torn by sin. But who we truly are is not sin. Who we truly are is the painting, the, the goodness, the being made in the image of God. The tear of sin has not eliminated the image of God in humanity. It is still there. And if we have eyes to see, we can see the evidence of the image of God in people all around us all the time. Do not let the reality of sin blind you to that fact. Don't let it keep you from noticing the brotherhood of man. The older man who seems to know you miss your dad. The stranger who becomes your sudden friend in the airport. The person who lights your way on the subway. The innocence mission, for me, has a way of helping me to see and recognize not only the goodness of human beings, but the goodness of life itself and of all of creation. Karen sings about the simplest things in a way that helps me to see them with wonder and appreciation. I mean, listen to that first verse again. All day, since your haircut in the morning, you have looked like a painting, even more than usual. We are in the wind planting the maples. We meet an older man who seems to know I miss my dad. And he smiles through the limbs. We talk easily with him until the rain begins. Everything described there is 
totally ordinary, right? There's nothing remarkable there. Someone just had a haircut. I assume one of her kids, and that kid's looking good, right? And she's appreciating that. Uh, The wind is blowing and they're planting trees. Sounds like a young mom with her kids on a Saturday afternoon. I don't know why my brain fills in the details that that way, but that's what it does. Uh, They meet an elderly neighbor. He reminds her of her father, who she misses. They have a pleasant conversation, and then the rain starts. Super ordinary. Nothing remarkable there at all. But she sings about it in a way that makes you feel that it is remarkable. Like these simple things are a wondrous gift that ought to be received with appreciation and gratitude. All of this reminds me of two scripture passages, one from the New Testament and one from the Old. This is not going to be a very long sermon, Um, but uh, if you want to follow along, The one from uh, the New Testament is Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. This is from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's always struck me as a little bit of a, a cryptic passage, but I feel like I've had some insight into it recently. Jesus said, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So what is Jesus saying there? If your eye is healthy, your body will be full of light. If your eye is unhealthy, then you will be filled with darkness. Well, surely Jesus is not talking about literal eyesight here, right? I think we can all agree on that. If that's what he was talking about, then the application would be find a good optometrist. And that doesn't preach well. So that can't be it. Think about it this way. The eye is the organ of what? Of perception, right? There is a world around us, and with our eyes, we take it in and we perceive it. Now, yes, I know technically the brain is what does the perceiving, but Jesus is not being technical here, right? What what you would think of as the organ of perception is your, your eye. And... So he's using the eye to represent our perception of the world. And what I hear Jesus saying is, if you perceive the world in a healthy way, then you're going to be filled with light. If you perceive the world in an unhealthy way, you're going to be filled with spiritual darkness. Your spiritual condition doesn't just have to do with what's happening externally around you. It has to do with what goes on in here, between your ears, right, as you process the world around you. Someone who has a good eye can see the signs of the brotherhood of man. They can see the image of God reflected even in sinful human beings. They can feel wonder and gratitude in response to ordinary things. But someone with a bad eye only sees the tears in creation, the tears in the painting, right? They only see the darkness. They don't feel gratitude. They just feel disappointment. They don't feel wonder. They just feel bored. They don't feel thankful. They just feel discontent. So the person with a bad eye can be experiencing exactly the same thing as a person with a good eye, but react completely 
differently. One person grumbles. The other person worships. Oh, thank you, Lord. Life is so much better when we have a good eye. Eyes that can see and appreciate the goodness that permeates God's creation. But if we choose not to see that, if we only focus on the negative, only focus on the tear in the painting, well then, oh, how great is the darkness within us. Because not even external things can lift us up out of that darkness. Now, I do feel like it's important for me to, to say something a clarification here. Okay, sometimes life does give us a lot of reasons to focus on that tear. That is true. Sometimes the brokenness of the world shows up in ways that are overwhelming. And in those times, grief and lament are perfectly reasonable, healthy responses to that. In fact, they are godly responses, right? Jesus wept. We have to remember that. So if you are in a season of life like that, where you're going through something like Job, or just not even on that level, just a really tough time, okay? Don't hear me saying, oh, you've got a bad eye. You've got to work on that bad eye. That's not what I'm saying. And I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. There are times in our lives where we have to recognize and grieve over the brokenness. Yes. But at the same time, all of us do need to cultivate the good eye that Jesus is talking about. An eye that is able to recognize the beauty and wonder of the world and receive it as a gift and then respond with gratitude to God for it. And we got to balance those things. Now, I want to be very honest because if I didn't say this, I would feel like a hypocrite. I say this as someone who's got to work on it myself. Um, these last few weeks, I have not had a good eye. Um, so Sarah and I, as you might know, we bought a house this summer, and we moved in the middle of August, and it has not been easy. The inspection missed some stuff. And so we have active leaks upstairs in the house, water coming in around the chimneys, um, and then... Two weekends ago, new surprise, basement flooding. And, you know, the weekend is when you, you know, we can get some more stuff done. Saturdays, that's usually the plan, but the last two Saturdays, basement's been flooding. Um, fortunately, it, the rain was on the forecast again this weekend. Thank the Lord, it was light. Um, but in the midst of that, I definitely have not done a good job of cultivating the good eye that Jesus is talking about. I have focused on my disappointment and my frustration, and as a result, my disposition has not been worshipful lately. Lots of grumbling, very little worshiping. And I feel like I would be a hypocrite if I did not acknowledge this. But as I listened to the Innocence Mission this week in preparation for this sermon, I was convicted because they improve my vision. They give me a good eye. They help me to not, not just recognize but feel the goodness of the ordinary things in life. 
and to feel appreciation and gratitude for them, which helps me to worship. Now, I realize, you know, we're all different, so the Innocence Mission might not do that at all for you, and that's fine. But I bet there are certain things that do help you to cultivate the good eye. There are things that help you to feel the wonder and beauty of the world and then to feel gratitude to God for that. I bet there are things like that. And I want to encourage you this morning to do what you can to try to make time in your life to, to experience those things, right? To seek them out. Cultivate the good eye. And again, I'm not entirely sure what that might be for you. But I am willing to bet that it's not watching a lot of cable news or scrolling on social media a lot. And I say that not trying to, you know, make you feel bad, like that should never be a part of your life, that you shouldn't watch the news or that you shouldn't have social media. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying if we try to live off of a diet of that, it doesn't really help to cultivate this appreciation of the wonder and beauty of the world. What it really tends to do is kind of make that bad eye get stronger, right? We, we start focusing just on the tear in creation rather than the painting itself. And then there's a lot more grumbling than there is worshiping. So I said that there were two scripture passages that all this... Uh, reminds me of, this song reminds me of. Second one is from the Old Testament, from the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19, starting in verse 11. And this is a story that I return to every couple years here at St. Paul's. It's an important one to me. It's the story of Elijah and the Whisper. Elijah was a prophet of God, and uh, as is true for most prophets of God, life was hard. Uh, he experienced a lot of opposition, and there were people who wanted to kill him for saying what needed to be said and doing what needed to be done. And so he had fled to the mountains to seek safety. And Elijah was tired. He was depressed. He wanted to give up. And then this is what happened. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. So Elijah witnesses three dramatic displays of, of power and fury, right? A wind that tears the mountains apart and an earthquake and fire. But every time we're told, oh, the Lord wasn't in that. But then comes this gentle whisper. And Elijah experiences God in, in the gentle whisper. And he's so overwhelmed by the presence of God that he pulls his cloak over his face in reverence. So what does that story mean? What is that about? Sometimes we think we need something extraordinary, some incredible display of power in order to 
see God or experience God, right? But if God tends to speak through a gentle whisper, that isn't true. Of course, God does sometimes do extraordinary supernatural stuff, yes. But God is always speaking through the ordinary as well. And if we can learn to pay attention, we can hear his gentle whisper. If we can cultivate the good eye that Jesus talks about, we get a good ear, too. We start to hear God whispering to us. We, we hear him telling us about his goodness and about his power and his faithfulness through ordinary things. Ordinary things. Like another sunrise, or the light coming in through the tree limbs, or the kindness of a friend or even a stranger. And as we, we hear that gentle whisper, we receive the ordinary with appreciation and gratitude. And worship starts to become the attitude of our hearts, rather than just something that, you know, we do on Sunday morning. So, cultivate the good eye. Listen for the whisper of God in the ordinary. Pay attention not just to the tear in the painting of creation, but to the beauty of the painting itself. Amen? Amen. Lord, we do ask that you would help us to do that. We want to have a good eye. We don't want to be filled with darkness, Lord. We want to be filled with light. And so, Lord, we, we pray that this morning, asking and expecting that you will honor that prayer, Lord. Help us to receive the good things in life every day with appreciation and gratitude. Help us to see them and recognize them. And we thank you most of all for the best gift, for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, who has rescued us from the power of sin and death. In Jesus' name, amen.